0: Hello, and welcome to the Finding Something Real podcast. My name is Tara Catherine, and I'm the assistant of Janelle Wood, the host of this podcast. Today, we are replaying our episode from May 11th of last year with the illusionist Brian Drake. In the episode, Janelle and Brian have a conversation about the theory of illusion, the difference between magic and illusion, and whether or not Jesus was an illusionist instead of a miracle worker. If you have found this podcast to be helpful, we would love for you to consider supporting Finding Something Real. You can find a link to our Patreon in the show notes.
1: We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi friend, this podcast is sponsored in part by Faithful Counseling. Life is full of ups and downs, unexpected twists and turns, and sometimes we struggle with all that can come our way. Faithful Counseling will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist who is also a practicing Christian. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And as someone with a master's degree in counseling psychology and whom at various times in the past 20 or so years has benefited from seeing a professional therapist, I know the value that professional counseling can bring because we all need someone to talk with and Faithful Counseling can help. Please visit faithfulcounseling.com. FindingSomethingReal.com to sign up for professional faith-based counseling. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. There's also a special offer for Finding Something Real listeners to get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounselingcom findingsomethingreal. finding something real Thanks again to Faithful Counseling for being a sponsor of this episode. Hi, friend. You are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, a podcast created especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. My name is Janelle Wood, and while I have a background in counseling and ministry with women, the truth is I've been through my own seasons of questioning my faith. So if you've ever struggled with not being sure where you belong, or you felt like you were faking faith, I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever, but don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys with you. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and I am excited you're listening in for season five, where we are starting off each month with a different young woman sharing her faith story, and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and faith. And so this month, our first episode featured my Dutch daughter, Lika. Lika shared about our relationship, but also about growing up in the Netherlands, um, how her first encounter with people her age who truly believed in Jesus was when she was in the U.S. on high school exchange about five years ago. And she also talked about being content with her agnosticism and disbelief in God, Um, and and disbelief in the God of the Bible at this point in her life. I loved our conversation and Lika's honesty. So if you haven't already, I highly recommend you go and check out that first episode with Lika and hear her whole story. We'll put a link in the show notes and you can find those as always or at findingsomethingreal.com along with other things like free resources a very occasional blog post, I'm trying to get better about that, how you can get more involved in uh, with this program and other ways to connect. All of that can be found over there at findingsomethingreal.com. If you like this podcast, friend, I would love to hear from you. Lika couldn't be here for this recording. It's almost midnight in Malta where she's living right now. And she texted me this morning and said she was not going to be here. But as she mentioned in our first episode, she's not sure about how involved she wants to be for all of these recordings. And I respect that. But she also had some great questions. And I'm very excited for the guest we have here today, who's here specifically to address something compelling that Lika brought up. Specifically, she asked, couldn't Jesus have just been a really good magician or illusionist? And like I said, I think that's a great question. So here to address that question and also to share a little bit more about his story is an illusionist named Brian Drake. Brian and his wife, Carla, have performed for hundreds of thousands of people over the past 10 years. The Brian Drake Show is driven by one clear and overriding passion, to share the gospel with this generation. I think that's pretty interesting stuff. So welcome to the podcast, Brian.
0: Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. I just thought that this is going to be a blast. So, <laughs>
1: well, I'm so gr- grateful you're here, and I I feel bad for Lika because she's missing out. But Lika, when you listen to this later, which I know one day you will, um, I just want to say. Thank you so much for bringing up such a great conversation. It's
0: a great question. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and Brian, in preparation for this e- um, this interview, I checked out your appearance on Justin Briarly's show, which I think came out about a year ago. Uh, I think, this I think a
0: year this week, actually. Yeah. That's
1: crazy. Um, I love, as you know, we were talking before I pressed record, Justin's heart for engaging believers mm-hmm. and non-believers. He's been on this podcast a couple of times, and I think his podcast format is brilliant and it also inspired some of what we do here on this podcast. Sure. Um, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that that experience. For somebody who's not familiar with The Unbelievable Show, um, would you share about what happened in that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So the question that time is, is, uh, is Christianity all a trick of a mind? So the format is typically they'll have a Christian on and then a non-Christian of, of some sort of variety, whether it be an atheist or a, someone of a different faith. And they'll kind of hash out and debate topics, and so ours was: is Christianity Christianity a just a trick of the mind? And so they had a former Christian hypnotist on the show as well, and so it, it was very interesting because in being a stage performer, being what we do, you know, I'm very not confrontational, you know. So being <laughs> in a debate, like I, I listen to debates all the time, and I love studying this sort of stuff, and so being in one, like I, I, I was listening back to it recently, actually, and I was. I felt like every answer I was caging was like, not that this is you, but, you know, it's was, it was, it was very much like, yeah, just, you know, just throwing this out there. But it was a lot of fun because we really got to, t- to hash out some things that only come up in our fields of illusions and, and hypnotism and all that sort of stuff, as well as we got to get into the historicity of the gospel, which is like my bread and butter is where I started. Uh, when it came to apologetics and stuff so I really enjoyed just the format and the idea of getting to talk through those things as well as tying him into what we do with illusions and hypnotism all that sort of stuff
1: yeah it was really good i'll we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well um, the guy that you um, were debating with mm-hmm. former Christian but he'd only been an atheist for I about think a year. year
0: that day actually Which or something like that It was really close
1: kind of crazy have you kept in contact with him at all since? I-
0: no, regrettably, I haven't. I really actually wanted to follow up and see because that's to, to move the needle so far so fast to me was what was kind of like eye opening of wow, this is a long, big jump in such a short amount of time.
1: Yeah, it was it was interesting for me to listen to that. I was listening um, to it on my way home yesterday, and I was thinking, how did how did that happen? You right. know, and uh, with so much certainty, um, so quickly. It was, um, there needs to be a part two. You should tell Justin. Had,
0: that's a good idea. Yeah. We actually need to do a follow up and see. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Let's, let's hash uh, out. <laughs> we'll do Christmas next time.
1: <laughs> the audience is asking, give us a part two. That's it. And one of the things that you guys brought up in that conversation is that two people can be listening to the exact same information. Um, I think of Bart Ehrman, I think you guys right. even mentioned him and come up with a completely different, um, you know, conclusion what for him might be, oh yeah, the resurrection didn't actually happen for you. It's like, actually, whoa, that's amazing that we have that kind of evidence. Um, Anyway, great conversation. Thanks so much. Yeah. Um, Anyway, something I wanted to ask you about is your own journey. Um, Mm -hmm. How did you get started in this field and what is your faith background?
0: For sure. Yeah. And and that's the one thing. It's always weird talking about the idea of illusions and stuff like that. The first thing out of our mouth on stage literally is we'll come out, we'll do an, an, an effect. And then the very next thing I say is, hey, literally everything you see tonight is fake. It's not real. It's just a trick, whether it's sleight of hand, psychology, misdirection, clever words or some mechanical device doing this. This is just fake. You know, we're going to have a good time. And then it kind of that disarms a lot of people, too. But Uh, But long story short, I was somewhat interested in the stuff as a kid, you know, watch the TV specials that came on in the early 90s and mid 90s and stuff. And then I was like, wow, that's really cool. I'd love to do that. But I don't have a million dollar budget to levitate, uh, you know, the Statue of Liberty or whatever, you know. (laughs) And so I was like, all right, card tricks. That's the one And so I kind of fell out of fashion with it somewhat. And then in college, I got back into doing just card tricks because the Internet had really kind of exploded with your own content online you could put whatever you wanted online so people would put hey how to do these card tricks that you just couldn't learn before unless you lived in a city that had you know a group or a club of kind of older elder statesmen illusionists who would teach you this stuff and so it was like wow this is how these tricks work and so it really kind of snowballed from there where I wanted to do close up. And I was a junior high youth pastor at the time. So when I moved into doing stage, I would force them to watch tricks on Wednesday (laughs) nights. It's like, where are you going to go? You're going to go tell your parents you wanted to leave. (laughs) You're going to get the gospel in a minute, but you got to watch this trick first. And thankfully some of those kids who were in that group are always over at our house. Now they're like 27, 28 years old now. And so it's been just a long process of discipleship through really terrible illusions at the beginning. But um (laughs) and then God called us, you know, we were called into ministry and, and just the doors really opened really quickly to doing full-time evangelism by doing these illusions. It's pretty wild.
1: Wow. So did you grow up in a Christian home then?
0: I did. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so no,
1: compared. I'm just curious.
0: <laughs> like I knew there was something that I was supposed to answer, but I'm just going to keep running with it. So, <laughs> uh, I did. Yeah. So I was born in, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And what's weird is I actually grew up in a very independent fundamental Baptist church for the first mm. eight or so years. And then, we kind of moved into the sbc around third grade and so I, you know, that doesn't sound like a lot of time but a lot of that stuff is still like burned in my brain it's still you know it's like you can't do this you can't do that and, and doing illusions is still like an anathema in some places you know because yeah. again, it's all fake but but so i did have that background but when i was in college i remember sitting for instance i went to a christian school um for elementary and middle school then i went to high school and public school but i remember sitting in college my first uh history class was a western Civ class, and the professor in this big kind of theater sort of room, the day one, like just launched into how like every time he could tie in some sort of lesson about how he hated Christianity, it was in that lesson. This is day one. And so I was like, oh, man, this guy is really. And so instead of this is just probably a personality flaw, Instead of being like, Oh, I want to know what this guy has to say. I was like, this guy is rude. I don't want to know. I don't want anything to do with him. So it, it actually made me go the other direction and kind of really dig in. Okay. Why do I believe this stuff I believe? Mm-hmm. And so uh, it was done in a critical mindset of, oh, I want to know about my faith, but it was also like, I don't want to be like that guy. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Did you ever question your own faith?
0: Not so much to the point of, man, I wonder if any of this is real, just because that, like I mentioned in, in um, and I talk about this a good bit, is that when I when I experienced Jesus at 15 years old, that, that indwelling of the Holy Spirit was just so real and so not like in some sort of metaphysical experience, but I just I just had this confidence to know. And now obviously there are things that will pop up, like, God, where are you in this situation? What is what's the deal here? But nothing to where it just cracked. And and again, I, I that's a blessing. It's not I'm not saying that everybody should have this exact same story like I do, but it's a blessing because the situations. That, that have been rough and crazy and stuff have actually in a way, especially looking back hindsight, pointed and strengthened my faith even more, I suppose you could say.
1: Yeah. So there's a very famous, I can't think of his name off the top of my head and I don't have it on my question sheet here, but he's a very famous illusionist um, that Justin's had on his podcast a couple of times. Darren uh, Brown. Darren Brown. Yeah. And he, I've watched it's his show. <laughs> it's <best>. so <laughs> Do you watch his stuff sometimes? Yeah, he's, he's my
0: absolute favorite performer. Okay.
1: He's, so he's amazing. Right. Um, but he does this whole thing. I'm sure you've seen it where it's like church. It's right. like this fake experience. Yeah. To me, and I have shared this with Justin before on this podcast, like, that's more disturbing as a believer than a lot of other things. And so Lika's question here, could it have just been an illusion? Right. Um, You know, when, if I'm being honest, there's been times where I've watched something like Darren Brown's act. And I think what's real, how do you tell what's real and what's not? And um, it's, I have been through seasons in my faith where I've questioned things um, and I would consider myself a strong believer, but when I talk with other Christians, if they're being uh, very vulnerable with me and I've had a couple of friends do this, they've admitted the same kind of thing. So I'm wondering if you would share a little bit more about that, Brian, because I feel like maybe it's something we don't talk about enough and I I love what you're doing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And and to be fair, with kind of listening to some of the other episodes and, and things is just the idea of I, I talk about this a lot in um, when Peter's about to walk on the water, Jesus is walking on the water and, and they're afraid. They think it's a ghost. And he says, Jesus says, hey, it's me. Don't be afraid. And Peter asks a question. He says, Hey, if that's you, you tell me to get out of this boat and I'll get out. And so what I've really been strengthened by in that is knowing that questions are not bad. I mm-hmm. should say, like if we have questions, God, why did this happen or what is happening here? if the direction and the answer that we're looking for, isn't like, God, I, I reject you. I hate you. It's, it's not, those questions are going to pop in whether you see it on you know TikTok, whether you see it online or somebody posts a meme and you go, Oh, wow. I've never thought about it that way before. It really does kind of pause you for a minute. And if you don't have any kind of background, if you don't have anybody to go to or podcasts like these, that you can go and listen to answers that it really can break you. And, and I don't, fault anybody for that because they're doing the best they can with what they have at the moment. For instance, it's kind of like when we look back through history and you see like the, the struggles in like 300 AD and stuff. It's like, you know, yes, the views on the other side were heretical, but it's hard to look at, you know, in a lens like that. So we want to obviously have right doctrine, right sort of stuff, but with grace too. And yeah. especially when it comes to questions like that. And so hearing people have, especially this question, this is a fascinating question too, because if you zoom in on the question, you could start picking apart miracles. Like, well, what about this one? Okay, he could have done it like this, this, or this. But when you zoom out and you see this broad scale narrative of this person who came and claimed to be God and then died on the cross and rose from the dead, it really helps kind of contextualize the whole narrative of is Jesus really who he says he is? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned TikTok and a number of times I've had a co-host on here, Mm -hmm. a young woman who's told me, well, I have this question because TikTok uh, brought it up in my face and it's true. You know, you're, you're scrolling, you think you're just having a good time and then all of a sudden, whoa, Boom. my faith yeah. has been challenged <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> one minute in and I'm like, oh my gosh. So um, are you on TikTok? Are you on I, I,
0: I have one, but I'm real. I'm I'm just on the cusp of being too old to where I'm like I don't I can't I don't even know how to. That's make how this I work. feel too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, like, like I'm just a on the cooler. wrong generation for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but this generation needs it. Yeah, no, um, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So um, how how do you answer this question then? Could it have just been an illusion in your opinion? And and if so, tell me about sure. that. And if not, tell me about that.
0: Sure. Let's, let's break it apart a little bit. So like I said, if we zoom into some of the miracles, you could say, okay, the wedding at Cana. let's start there. That's where Jesus ministries public ministry started was turning water into wine. Now we do a routine in our stage show that we, or we used to, we haven't done it in years and years. It's a great routine where we take, um, a pitcher of, or a jug of water, essentially, it's actually chocolate milk in the trick and you pour it out and it makes a whole bunch of different drinks. And you pass these drinks out to the audience and wow, this really is Mountain Dew. This really is Coke. This really is lemonade. And then at the end you tear open the carton and show that the carton was empty and there's nothing special about it. Well, it's very much a trick that's that we built and we make, you know. And if you were to see me do that, and that's all the context you had, you might go, Oh, that's pretty crazy. So it's turning water into wine is is one where you could go, Yeah, maybe it kind of got it, maybe got exaggerated until you start thinking about it. Wait a minute, there's implications in what the meaning is behind this that hey, Jesus is in control of nature. That's really where that kind of is pointing mm-hmm. to is that he's you know he can take and do with what he wants, and he's in charge, and so it's more of the yes, I believe it happened, obviously, but also it really strengthens the narrative that hey, Jesus is the person that they turn to. Mary's like, "Hey, listen to what he says, and they did, you know, and so so that's that's step one, and then you start looking at the miracles that Jesus did that were really wild and really impossible, and it, it physically impossible to do, like feeding the five thousand, for instance, if you really look at it and see that it was probably being the time of year they were in, 5,000 men, it says. So you're looking at women and children there, too. So You're probably 15 to 20,000 people there for this miracle. That's something that's easily falsifiable. I mean, you have that so many people. And then immediately after this, in, in the book of John, you see that he even tells them, like, you're following me because you saw the signs of wonder. You saw me do bread and, and you saw me bring, you know, make fish. He's like, that's why you're following me. Some of you aren't here because you believe you're here just to see more miracles. So that was never even disputed in the narrative there. And the gospel writers, to their credit, were really good about writing embarrassing details about themselves. They were writing, they would write details that didn't make them look in the best light. You know, Mark, uh, I believe it was Mark who ran away naked. Basically, he was so scared <laughs> when Jesus was arrested. It's like, you know, I would just erase that detail. Yeah. If I was Peter, I'd be like, Hey, can you not put that thing in there where I denied Jesus three times
1: sentence yeah, in just, the Bible? <laughs>
0: yeah, let's do a let's do a, a second pass on that and make me look better. You know, maybe I didn't cut the guy's ear off. You know what I'm saying? And so, so those so those kind of things. And so Jesus saying that, like that's an easy, easily falsifiable thing. Somebody could just say, "Oh no, this didn't happen." But you never saw that. You never saw anybody deny the actual miracles. And again, we're talking in the context of the narrative of the gospel them- themselves. You never see anybody even deny that what Jesus was doing wasn't happening. They all, even the Pharisees, they said, mm-hmm. "Oh, what you're doing is through the power of the devil." Which begs the question: Then okay, he did something. They're reacting to what he did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. so then again uh you look some of the bigger kind of grandiose miracles and stuff raising somebody from the dead there's yeah i mean you could i think of ways that you could fake that today absolutely but it would involve literally hiring hiring someone to act dead to you know and being in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. so again this sounds like i'm rambling but uh but to the point here it would take an awful lot of conspiracy to say wait a minute so they made up this story about this guy named Jesus. Didn't really do it, and the disciples were in on it. They may have, you know, pulled the strings behind the curtain to make the magic happen. That's, that's what Carla does in our show, basically, is we're a two-person act that looks like a one-person act <laughs> did that. And then they went to their death to keep a secret that they knew they were just falsifying in the first place. It's That, to me, is where the story really breaks down of could it be just magic or just an illusion, you know, is the fact that you have Peter and the disciples who were willing to die for this in what would be a lie at that point. And that just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And then you see the apostle Paul. That's when it really changes because this is a guy who was not friendly to Christ, to the Christians at the beginning. You know, he was, he was rounding him up, killing him, putting him in jail. And yet he had such a change in his life. Something so dramatic happened in his life that changed him from going from being Saul to Paul, essentially from being the Pharisee of Pharisees to being the one of the most influential people ever really
1: yeah do you know any illusionists uh like Darren Brown for example or I I mean I don't can't even think of any famous people right now but do you know of any that are one person shows that are able to do it all on their own without really
0: yeah absolutely not there okay let me take that back there are examples but when I say that they are smaller things they're so a close-up show you might go and see a guy there's a guy in in uh, Germany who's and there's another guy in Spain. They're two of my favorite in the world. His name's Danny De Ortiz, and then um, oh my gosh, his name just totally fell. Dennis Baer. They will do a theater where you have 50 seats around him, kind of looking down at their close-up show. And yes, but then again, you're not walking away from that show and being like, What in the world? He just that guy didn't have a leg and now he's got a leg. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's cards and coins and stuff. So so no, I mean, there really, there really are no examples of. Yes, you can do, you can travel and do a small parlor show, but no one's walking away from those parlor tricks and thinking, oh my gosh, this is a miracle worker. You know, like even to Darren's uh, event, the miracles of Jesus thing, what he's doing is showing that there are people who use uh, the name of Jesus to fake and, and that are charlatans. And it's scary because there are people that do that, but it's also trying to cast aspersions at all Christians that we're all just washed up in this kind of hypnotic state and none of it's real and absolutely of course we reject that you know Mm -hmm. um but no there's technologically financially just even time wise there would not be enough time to prep and do the miracles that are listed in the new testament much less the resurrection especially as we look in the evidence for the stone that was there and then the guards that were out there and it would take a whole lot to be able to fake that
1: yeah could somebody theoretically fake uh, the death and suffering that's described in the Gospels? Uh,
0: I wouldn't want to. That's
1: a- <laughs> I mean, I'm oh, well, trying to think of any question Lika would be here asking. No, that's if great. She was right here.
0: That's an excellent point. So even when I remember when the Passion of the Christ came out and people were like, "Man, this is brutal." It got, it got an R rating for violence, you know. And I remember watching that and thinking, you know, this is this is awful. This is horrific. But even according to first century history it was not as violent as it would have been you know what jesus would have went through was more violent than the most violent we can think of and when they when they would beat him and, and the, the skin would get loose and they would tear those bones and pieces of uh, rock and stone and metal would grip into the flesh and tear and it just i think it's the gospel matthew says his visage was marred which means you could look at him and see like a hunk of meat as a person but you couldn't even tell who it was and that's so brutal and, and like like i mentioned earlier like you said why, why would you go through that for a fraud? You know, mm-hmm. at some point you're going to go, Hey, you know what? I was joking. i I may have exaggerated a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. at some point you're going to break and, and, and give.
1: What about, um, again, I keep thinking of Lika and if she was sitting yeah, no, right please here, do. <laughs> um, what about to be famous? What about like the, the draw of the world sure. right now, which is, you know, I want people to remember me. I want people to know me. Um, how do we know that Christ wasn't, um, you know, a narcissist who was like, sure. you know what, this is how I'm going to become famous.
0: Yeah, no, that that's an excellent question is because there were people, even, even the new Testament and then other extra biblical texts mentioned kind of references to people like, uh, Simon and bar Jesus. And then, um, I'm trying to think of the other guy's name. Um, oh my gosh, his name just fell on my head. It, it's, it's mentioned anyway who were they were kind of quote unquote miracle workers at the time and yeah that you could see someone doing that as the motivation but again i think that all starts to break down when you get to because if that's the case then jesus has a heel term to use a pro wrestling turn jesus would have this heel turn to where, hey hosanna hosanna and then you know a few days later different people are saying hey crucify that guy at some point you're gonna go wait a minute they turned them and not even, they don't even like me anymore now again if you knew that someone was going to be writing these narratives down and writing you in a good light. But then again, if you wanted to do that, I don't think you'd put yourself riding in on the donkey, even if it fulfilled prophecy. I don't think you'd put yourself being poor and, you know, being born in a manger. Yes, it does fulfill that prophecy and stuff, but it's not, I. it just seems strange to, and, and again, don't, when I say it seems strange when I say all oh, that seems uh, a stretch, don't, hear me say that is putting that on to her as that's what she's thinking no 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 but but what i mean is that that's just so much of a stretch that when we talk about explanations and you know this obviously but um when you try to explain something about a theory it needs to have explanatory scope and explanatory Mm -hmm. power sure it might cover it in scope but it doesn't have the power to explain it or it might have the power to explain it but it doesn't account for all these other details so um like the swoon theory did jesus pass out on the cross has a lot of explanatory power, but it doesn't have the scope to explain well, how did these post resurrection appearances, uh, how did they stick the spear in his side, how did you know, all those kind of things. So, to that, I think, yeah, it has the explanatory scope. Yeah, he wanted to be famous, but it breaks down at the proxy the same lines of who would go through that for fame. Now, again, people do a lot of crazy things for fame, yet again, mentioning TikTok, <laughs> <we> <laughs> <talked about laughs> the things that, that people will do here, eat this for <laughs> or whatever, you know, yeah, but. I I still think that. I I think that's a little bit of 21st century trying to look back anachronistically into the first century, a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, was it C.S. Lewis who said that Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord? I think that was C.S. Lewis. uh, Not an illusionist. Not based on the explanatory scope. uh, Would that be fair to say? It it would be very difficult to to justify that.
0: Not only that, it's just the. Art didn't even exist. I mean, yes, there were the earliest legends of illusionists. Is there's cave walls in Egypt. Um, I want to say it's BC Egypt, so it's old Egypt. Uh, of what they try to say is the cups and balls trick, but we don't really know. It's a guy on a wall with three cups, and maybe he's doing a cups and balls routine. Maybe it's something else. But to extrapolate the fact that that there's that art form that is now. What really culminated in the 1870s, 1880s in the golden age of illusions that trying to read back into the impact that Jesus had is also anachronistic because that predates, Jesus' story predates the methods, the ideas, the concepts of, you know, psychology and misdirection and mentalism. You know, a lot of the things that even cult leaders today will use are techniques of mentalism of, you know suggestibility and certain hypnotic things. And when I say hypnotic, I don't mean anything mystical, anything. I mean, literally people will do things. They're told whether it's out of, well, I've I've got to do this because I don't want to be looked at weird. Those kind of things were really discovered and really uh, studied a lot later than this time with Jesus. So it's, those are great questions. Could it have been illusions? But I think it's not fair historically to look back at that and try to Mm -hmm. see that because again, we just don't, none of that, we don't have any evidence of it.
1: Yeah. So before the, 18, the 1800s, mm-hmm. really, there's not a lot of history for um, there, illusion or magic. I mean, there's some magic, right? That's mm-hmm. different. Am I, am I correct? It's a little different magic from illusion? Because I'm so thinking tra- of Egypt. Traditionally,
0: uh, yeah, no. <laughs> traditionally, when, when people talk magic with just a C and not a K. I'm trying to think. I have a book over there. It's kind of a, yeah, illustrated history. When it comes to the art form and you know illusions, magic, all that sort of stuff, traditionally the breakdown is magic is more things done with cards coins small things whereas illusions are more people-sized tricks where like a vanishing or a song in half or more illusions and so up until the 1880s 1870s 18, kind of the late 1800s you didn't really have illusions you had a lot of quote-unquote magic tricks you would have coins you'd have people who were regurgitators where they would drink a bunch of water and then regurgitate. David David Blaine does this today and it's really weird to watch him do this on stage where he'll just spit up a bunch of water. Um, so you had a lot more of those kind of acts but it wasn't until the golden age like they say with the guy named Jean-Eugène Robert Houdin that really kind of made what we know now, you know, tuxedos and sequins and all that sort of stuff be famous. Yeah. But prior to that, you're dealing with a lot less a lot smaller things that wouldn't have wowed people the same way.
1: I'm thinking of, as you're talking, um, ancient Egypt and mm-hmm. the Exodus, where uh, it talks about Moses, you know, and him throwing down the staff. Yeah. And was it Pharaoh's, um, it's ma- Pharaoh's magicians. magicians? Yeah. <laughs> they that were able to do that. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> it's like, all right, I don't know. I'm going to need some help here. Because <laughs> that one's such a, it's such an interesting, it's an interesting thing, too, because God gave Moses this sign to use on Pharaoh, and then obviously when they do whatever they did, I don't know what they're doing at that time. But even then, you see Moses' snake eats their snakes and stuff. Like yeah. that, you know, so it's like okay, something's going on here. And but you're right, it is it is an ancient reference to it there, even.
1: Yeah, it's it's so interesting to me. Do you think that some of that? Because I've I've watched illusionists on like mm-hmm. talk shows before, or whatever, and they're like, all of this is kind of like along the lines of what you said earlier, it's all sleight of hands. It's not right. real. Um, they'll say this isn't, you know, but there's some, I believe you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. Historically, there's been people who said this is real. This For is sure. real magic. Mm-hmm. And this is a real dark art. I'm, um, you know, funneling the dark spirits or whatever. Do you believe in that? Or do you think everybody is faking it? kind of? so to
0: Sure. Speak? Uh, and that's a great question. Honestly, like we, you could spend hours on this question because, um, as someone that is more skeptical in in what we do my first knee jerk reaction is go oh they're all frauds right but then I also believe what the Bible says. I believe that there is, you know, powers and principalities. And, you know, I believe in, you know, in this present darkness, like it talks about. I believe that there's spiritual warfare and things like that. Not so much in the Frank Peretti, like literally, you know, above everybody <laughs> sort of deal, which is a great book, but um, not so Frank much. Frank Pretty's Christian author. <laughs> yeah, 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 sorry. <laughs> t- tip to Frank Peretti. But um, it's a great book, great story. But I, I do think I do think there are people who know they're being fraudulent. Um, I do think a lot of the people, for instance, we live in Mobile, Alabama, in New Orleans, Louisiana is two hours up the road. Mm. We were just in Jackson Square a couple of weeks ago, walking around the square and there were multiple, multiple, multiple people doing, you know, palm readings, tarot cards and sorts of things like that. Most of them I do think are people who know how to cold read, which is a technique in psychology where you do, you say something that sounds specific, but it's actually general to where everybody goes, oh my gosh, that's, that's me. How'd you know? Well, everybody said the same thing you're like oh that's me how'd you know you know but there's that but then again i don't i don't disbelieve that there are people who are willing to open themselves up to things i mean we it's hard to look in the new testament and not see that there is you know that kind of spiritual warfare and stuff like that and so why why would you open yourself up to that unless you you know it, it's just you're playing with stuff that you shouldn't be playing with i guess is what i'm trying to get at but i do think the majority of people especially entertainers ones who were on you know talk shows and things like that those people were frauds especially the ones who I've seen do it who I know them behind the scenes or know of them behind the scenes I know they're fraudulent because I know what they're doing too technique wise so it's Mm -hmm. it is a mixed bag I would say most people are frauds with it but when I say fraud I mean the ones who claiming it's real uh frauds but then I do think there are people who who really open themselves up to stuff they absolutely shouldn't be opening themselves up to
1: yeah I want to ask another question. It's kind of a little bit out of your wheelhouse, maybe, but you were debating. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely.
0: I have experience with that.
1: (laughs) The guy you were debating on Justin Browerly's show was a hypnotist, Mm -hmm. right? Which is a little different. You don't really do hypnotism. Uh, No,
0: in fact, the only thing that we do that even dabbles near it, we just use the word suggestion for that reason.
1: Okay. But historically speaking, uh, that's been a theory, right? That maybe it was group hypnotism that uh jesus's resurrection Mm -hmm. that that whole thing people were hypnotized for sure um could you speak to that because i'm sure you've heard that theory before yeah
0: yeah so with hypnotism the the two kind of main theories that you hear is either some sort of mass hypnosis or mass hallucination and they're they're really linked pretty often but so yeah absolutely hypnotism and the there's two theories that really get linked together to be mass hypnosis and mass um hypnotism. Did I say the same thing? Mass hypnotism and mass uh, hallucinations. Those are typically linked together. So to speak to the first one, hypnosis, Um, this is a murky area of hypnosis because, again, even even our show, we do a thing that deals with suggestion. But what that means is your brain really does act faster than the rest of your body will. For instance, if I have you hold and I have a video of this, um, if I have you hold a washer on a string, like a heavy washer on a string by the tip, If you if your brain is literally saying uh, left, right, left, right, it will send signals to your fingertips. But because the distance between the string and your fingertips, you can't see this if you're listening at home, but (laughs) but about an 18 inch gap of a string with a heavy washer on it, the tiniest motion in your fingers gets massively accented and, and exaggerated in the washer. So it looks like, oh, my gosh, that washer's moving just by them saying something in their mind. Really and truly it is, though, because it's physical, actual physical signals in your fingers. I, I give that preface to why that's important because suggestion is not something in which people claim this and there very there's debates about this, but suggestion in hypnosis is not something where you just completely asleep and you're out of it and you have no clue what you're doing. You're aware of your, of your surroundings, but some people are more suggestible, and that may be because they want to fit in with the crowd around them. So in a hypnosis show, kind of like what Zach was doing, It'll be more, well, I don't want to look like an idiot on stage. Or, mm-hmm. or well, I'm just going to do this because that's what he says. Or certain things like that. Not out of a, oh, I'm just going to go along with it like I'm a stooge. But but it's not this mystical, you're in a trance, and then we're going to give you this code word, and you go uh, do something weird in the Cold War. Kind of like that kind of weird, like, you know, great movies were made about Manchurian Candidate stuff. Because you're only going to do what you would be willing to do in the first place. If I gave a suggestion to someone... To do something that they would not do they're not going to do it all that mm-hmm. to say who would be the one doing the hypnotizing because obviously if jesus died it wouldn't be him you know putting people in a trance so you can blame the disciples then but then you're talking about so many people at that point have come to know and come to believe the story when paul goes through in first corinthians 15 he says you know he appeared to to, to peter and the disciples and then uh, me and then the 500 who are, some of them are still awake or he's talking about the people probably at the ascension of Jesus. So the plausibility that you would be able to induct that many people into some sort of hallucin uh, hypnotic state, they stay in that hypnotic state for the rest of their life is wildly improbable, but it's a really popular theory because it's exotic almost. You know, it's like, Ooh, wouldn't it be cool if mm. now, as far as hallucinations, same thing goes. If two people in a room and they both hallucinate, they are not going to see the same thing, and they talk about this with Navy SEALs a lot. They'll be in that last week of training, and they're sleep deprived completely, and their bodies are worked through complete exhaustion. And many of them will be in the boat in the middle of the night, and they will hit, they will uh, hallucinate something. Well, that's all in here. So if you can't, you can't have head. a mass hallucination to where we all see Jesus show up in the room, show Tim, uh, show Thomas his hands and feet. Uh, see him rise, see him walk, you see him cook fish that morning, you know, when they eat breakfast and you, it just doesn't work like that. And so as wildly entertaining and exciting as those things are, and I don't say that in a pejorative way, they really are like, oh man, wouldn't, wouldn't this be an explanation? They just don't hold up because that's not how AR brains work or how hypnosis works.
1: Mm have you ever entertained the idea that he was an illusionist personally has that ever that thought ever crossed your mind or has anyone ever challenged you personally with that
0: so only because i would say not so much when it comes to especially the miracles because with my limit even limited ability that i know how to do certain things uh you know sleight of hand misdirection psychology i know how these things work and and so i can't see the things that are described about Jesus being done yeah I could come up with a way to fake it but you're gonna see some strings or some you know some way to do it right um no I can't make that much food appear no I can't bring somebody back from the dead especially someone or another example you know healing somebody born blind that's a big deal you know and so it would take so much more than a magician to be able to do that and it would take uh somebody who's got power real power to be able to do these miracles that were listed and you know john says the reason i wrote these things down is so that you would know and you'd believe not because Mm -hmm. i want you to look in fact he doesn't even in the gospels again this goes this goes to a great point you were talking about earlier and it's not so much about jesus but it's about the gospel writers um the fame idea you know people looking for notoriety notoriety and fame they don't even write their names at the top of the gospels. maybe luke you know but the other three we don't even have them saying hey by the way I just want you to know I was here and this is my scene. That was me. He's talking about. Look how cool I am. There's none of that. So it's pretty interesting how how little that seems to get in the way. But no, I I can't. I just can't see it because I guess I came at it from the other end where I was a yeah. Christian first and then an illusionist versus the other way around.
1: Yeah. So kind of piggybacking on that question, um, why do you believe that a miracle, a, a, a series of like huge miracles? It's the best explanation for what we read in scripture for someone where mm-hmm. easter is on par with the easter bunny right. you know and the story of the resurrection feels like a giant fairy tale why do you believe that fairy tale is the truest story ever sure. told
0: No, and, and that's an excellent question because it, it it's not easy intellectually to rationalize this idea that a miracle is the best explanation of the resurrection and Zach mentions it. I disagree with the notion that it's the least probable thing that happened based on a whole litany of arguments and things. But it still takes a lot to go, oh, yeah, it's a miracle that occurred. That's huge. Mm-hmm. But I think that based on what Romans 1 says, and if you, if you never read Romans 1 in your entire life, but you walk outside and you see the night sky and you see just those billions of stars or you see the Grand Canyon, you see just the amazing awe that natural revelation that that the creation has, that it's just amazing that there's something out there that we can see other human beings and know, Hey, there's more to them than just molecules in motion. There's something there, you know, and we, it's us recognizing that those fingerprints of God, it's us recognizing that, that being made in the image of God, that humanity matters. And then you start to think, well, I know there's right and wrong. I know that this is an actual right thing to do. And I know that it's wrong to do this thing. Where did that come from? Because if it's just molecules in motion, then it's arbitrary. It's my opinion versus your opinion. If you look at current events, it's this person's opinion versus this country's opinion. And we're not able to judge if there is no right and wrong. And so this kind of this case starts to build up where you see creation, you see the, you know, stuff that's been made, it has a creator, stuff that has been designed, has a designer. The fact that we can know right from wrong, even though no one has to sit down and tell us, hey, you shouldn't lie. Hey, you shouldn't hit your sister. I mean we know we're doing these things that are wrong when we do them you know we know murder's wrong it's in the core of our being so it builds up to where this guy showed up on the scene and said hey this god you've been talking about for a long time and those of you who don't even know Paul and you know axes, you've got this this altar to this unknown god is it you, you you know him but i'm here like this is me like this this the stuff you've been learning about and leaning towards this is me i'm that god and I'm going to prove it by dying on the cross and coming back to life. And then when you start to break apart the evidence of the resurrection of just, you know, the stone and the guards and the empty tomb and the fact that you know, he appeared to the people and they went and said it and there was no body, if they produced a body then the first response would be, "Hey, no, he's still in the grave." Like there's so much, such a powerful case that you when you look at all the evidence put together, while yes, a miracle, it it takes a leap of faith which is part of the idea of what you know the fact that we have we're saved by grace through faith you do get to go okay god help me in my belief you know what i mean like and i know not everybody's in that place there's some people who don't believe in god period and that, i get that you you were talking about because oh, uh an agnostic she doesn't know if there's a god or not but i would say that if you open yourself up to the idea god if you are there and just reveal yourself to me you know I think he will. I, I I think God will do that and the Holy Spirit will draw on just like the Bible says, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you talk on your website about um, using illusion to share the gospel. For sure. And for somebody listening right now who hasn't um, made that choice and maybe listening to you right now, um, he or she is like, man, I want to know more about uh, what the gospel is. Could you yeah. sum it up in two minutes or less? Can you share what the gospel yeah, is? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, in the show, just really quick, we'll, we'll do a prediction or something. On, this thing has been on stage the whole time, like a big number, and that number just happens to match the serial number of somebody's $20 bill that they brought up from stage. And I say, I know what you're thinking right now. Your mind is blown, <laughs> right? But it doesn't take a list to know that because I know the only reason you're impressed is there's infinite wrong answers. I mean, you wouldn't be impressed if any of these numbers were wrong or if this name was a different name. You wouldn't be impressed. The only reason that your, your mind is just like exploding right now there's infinite wrong answers but there's only one right answer and at the core of our being there's this reality that we live in that we can look around and see how amazing you know creation is but in the inside we know that we're messed up we all have a day in our life that we wish we could totally expunge from the record that we just we were the worst of the worst for no excuse not like oh i didn't have enough coffee or i didn't wake up <laughs> on the right side of the bed i just was just just mean and nasty or whatever it is or i did this thing i just hope nobody ever finds out about if there's no God, then that's, then we're stuck with that. But mm-hmm. the God of this universe loved us so much that while we were still sinners, I know we don't like that word in 2021, and I took 2022, wait, here is it? And I <laughs> totally get that. But when we realize that it's not this Christian word that we talk about and throw at people in judgment because that's how it's been used, but that we're all messed up, we are all broken, every single one of us. But that God loves us while we were still broken, while we were still sinners, that He came to this earth. And he died on the cross for our sins so that we don't have to. That's what we celebrate Good Friday for is that the good Friday is that he died. But it's good because he rose from the dead. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And that tomb is empty today. And because he is alive, you and I can have that eternal life. And the coolest part is you say, okay, well, how do you do that? What does it mean to have eternal life and give yourself, give your life to Jesus? Romans ten nine says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans ten thirteen says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not a fee. It's not a payment. You don't have to get in line or take a test and pass with the seventy or better. Our debt has already been paid and the offer is there if we choose to make him our king.
1: Amen. Right on. I have a couple of final questions for, for you, sure. Brian. Um, something I've noticed and I've listened to, I don't know if you're familiar with the Provoke and Inspire podcast, but I think they're doing great work over there. Um, but they talk about this generation of young people not being hardcore atheists, like maybe, uh, you know, the Richard Dawkins uh, 20 years ago or something like that. But a lot of young people um, are more into... Um, magic, or even Lika, you know, she's mentioned on this podcast, like believing in something, that there's something more than what you can see in the physical realm. Um, having this idea of spiritual spirituality, uh, but not wanting to, um, you know, anchor themselves on something very specific, like you were talking about uh, the dollar bill with the numbers. Um, do you think this generation of young people gravitates towards magic? I know that that's part of your mission statement is to pull them in, but um, if so, why, why is that yeah, that's a
0: good question? Um, specifically this generation is very post-truth. So when they see something that, again, it's impressive because there is no other answers. You, you no, one's impressed by a card trick that could have 52 different answers because then it's, <laughs> oh, you think of a card. Great. That's the one I was thinking too. No, one's impressed by that. But I think that we talk a lot about, and we, you know, we put on social media and we talk with our friends about how you do you, you live your truth, you know, and the, those words, your truth, they just kind of instantly make my hair raise. Cause it's like, you know, but like <laughs> we, we want to be so sanguine with it. We don't want to hurt feelings. And I totally get the rationale and the reason for that. We, you know, being kind and stuff like that, and the empathy that's there, all good intentions, but when it leads to bad decisions, such as, well, I don't really want to anchor myself to a faith because I might, you know, there, there is no truth. We, it's just something we say. We can't live in a world like that where there is no truth. Because again, who are we to judge then? At what point can we judge any moral act as immoral if there's no truth? But to this generation, with them being so. And I don't know what caused that. I don't know if it's a rebelling against kind of the hard, um, you know, because there was such a swing against postmodernism in the millennial generation for people like, you know, my age and all that sort of stuff. There's also that generational shift. Of, okay, well, we're going to push back against them, you know, because Gen Z millennials, they love to do little memes against each other. And even though <laughs> we're, we're right and they're wrong, uh, especially when it comes to food and clothing, but, uh, <laughs> but I think maybe, maybe that's part of it. But to, to answer your question, I realized I did that thing where I totally went off board there. You're fine. I think the illusions, the magic, all that sort of stuff, it anchors the fact that there is truth in its, in its own little way. And when you have your mind blown like that, it's just like, okay, maybe there's more to it. And that's why we always try to link it immediately in from that moment of, of, you know, here's an absolute objective truth. Now let's talk about how this can apply in your life, you know?
1: Yeah. And
0: and I think maybe they're just ready for that authenticity.
1: Yeah. One other question before I ask you the final one, just a, a follow up on that. Um, I'll hear from Christians who listen to this podcast. And there's somebody who loves somebody who's kind of Mm -hmm. questioning faith and your experience as an evangelist, as somebody who does these shows also as a youth pastor, um, what's a great way for somebody who loves somebody who's questioning and having these, you know, this generation of young people, um, what's a great way for someone to connect and to love on them and your experience, what is the best way?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think number one, and. It sounds almost cliche to say now and it shouldn't, but it sounds cliche because we say it, but we don't often do it is to constantly be in prayer for that person because prayer is a real thing that really does work, you know, uh, but aside that. So in the practical, um, you know, invite them to things like like that's why we do what we do is because you'll get people who will come to a you know, quote unquote magic show who will never step foot into the door of a church. So. It, be on the lookout for those opportunities in your community, whatever it is, whether it's you know uh, an event like ours or something that the church is doing, or whether it's something like um, there's a lot of conversation starters. There's a lot of great um, non-cheesy faith-based movies and books and, and, and games, even stuff like that, that are coming out now that people have realized, oh, we can't just make these for in-house. We have to be able to make things with a good, great message that you know, whether it pushes the envelope or what, but, but it, it gets that conversation started. What did you think about that? And so being able to, you know, invite to events, um, engage in conversation. And then the worst thing we can do is just be like, oh, you'll, you'll be fine. You know, you just, just don't worry. But, you know, I guess take those concerns seriously, you know, and, and don't just, now nah, you'll grow out of it. Cause Sadly, we see that's not the case. People are not growing out of these things. They're, they're turning to someone who will give them the answer they want to hear, whether it's true or not.
1: Mm, yeah, so true. Have you ever been to Chelan, Washington? Do you ever come up here?
0: Let's see. Let me you got to bring
1: that... your show to Chelan.
0: Where is so, Chelan in relation Chelan. to where is it? In uh, We were in, let's see. We flew into oh, Spokane spokane and then uh i'm I'm, I'm gonna pull up the calendar real quick we were there it was was pre-covid i think the last time we've been there was pre-covid but uh let's see now now you've now you've got me checking Uh,
1: i know here we go
0: and the last oh come on my calendar's being done there we go uh we were in linwood back in 2019 end of 2019 linwood washington do you know where that is it's down yeah
1: so you flew into seattle there we go okay thank you okay we've we've (laughs) flown
0: into spokane before but not that time okay
1: we live on the other side of the mountains, but it's um, about halfway between Spokane and Seattle. It's not it's not huge, um, but it's a resort town, so we have oh, all yeah. these great venues, and I've talked to a couple people on this podcast before, like, you, you need to come to Chelan. We need like a show. I, It would be amazing. I love that area of
0: the country. It's, it's yes. absolutely gorgeous. It's
1: gorgeous here. I don't know how to make it happen, but anyway, if you ever come out this way, I'd love to well, go to one of your it, shows
0: it's funny though that that area is great because uh the the reactions across the country are so different to everything you know you people break apart how they react so differently too even within texas for instance there are pockets <laughs> of texas that are like just loud and like crazy reactions and there's like austin it's like oh that was cool i was really it's like <laughs> totally good. so the northwest yeah. it's a mixed bag it's always like it's very chill it's very cool they would love the show but like it's i was like are you, you guys are liking this right like <laughs> you guys are enjoying okay. it did y'all react a little bit louder i don't know if y'all no nah, it's not everywhere but now so you guys are over the mountain we we flew in one time to yeah. uh somewhere in Washington and drove across through Coeur d'Alene and all that to a, a college in the the next napa. Thing, napa montana which ones montana yeah which which way is that way i guess north yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we look up there yeah north we drove across montana. into montana that's the one
1: yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was in oh, Missoula. We did the okay. uh, University of uh, Yeah, that's it. Because I was like, okay. I, got, I got a map up there. I was like, you probably should look and see.
1: Well, I'm going to ask you this final question. Um, the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Uh, Real is an acronym for those things restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Of those four gifts, and there are plenty more uh, that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, which of those stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? Restoration eternity authenticity and love
0: oh that's a good that's a great question um I, i'm actually gonna go with wow those are that's really great um because <laughs> i've got r and l are both popping in my head right there so uh let's yeah you know, i'm gonna go with love and, and it's partially because of um just kind of our story through covid i'll give you the quick summarized version of mm-hmm. of this and we talk about it in the show but um so Right before in December 2019, our schedule for 2020 was the busiest it's ever going to be. We were going to be like just doing shows that we never thought we could to do. And then we start hearing rumblings about COVID. But at the same time, Carla fell and passed out in the middle of the night one night. We didn't know why. Um, and they found a spot in her throat that night when they did the X-ray or the MRI, they said whatever machine they used said, hey, you should get that checked out. Probably not a big deal. Well, as it turns out, she had thyroid cancer. We didn't know. It. And they, wow. they operated on her in April of 2020 and they didn't even know they were going to get to operate. And so I always bring that up that in the moment of, of you know her passed out in my arms, I was terrified, but I realized just how amazing God's love is that he a, always provides and always provides no matter what. But even in that terrified moment. I realized that, that was a blessing because it was, it was revealing, Hey, you got this cancer that you would never have known about. Had you not passed out and gone and she got There's no reason we would have gone and gotten a scan any other reason except that. And so seeing how in looking back at all the blessings that we've had over the last few years, even through the hard times is just so amazing to see God's love. And And I wish, I wish there were that, that people who didn't know him could experience that. I wish they would see that and just go, man, I want that in my life. I want, I want God, I want, I mean, cause he loves us. Yes. But I want to accept that love. I want that to be, I want that guy to be my King and I want to be his, his child, you know, and I always think of the prodigal son and that moment always gets me when he wakes up and he says, Hey, I got to get back to my father. He says, I'll just go work for him. I'm not even will. I'm not even worthy to be his son anymore. I'll just be a servant. But what happens is he runs back. The father runs to him, hugs him, picks him up says, get a ring, get a robe, get a calf. Let's go. We're going to party. My son who was dead is alive. I just, boom, just so powerful to see how much God loves us that when we were still sinners. It, he loves us. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's impossible to comprehend that.
1: Yeah. Right on. Well, Brian Drake, thank you so much for being here on the podcast until next time. Thank you for listening to the finding something real podcast friend. This season we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with him. Until next time.